Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, Nick and I sit down with Jerry Gatto of Gatto Law to break down what investors and home buyers need to know about the costs when closing on a new purchase and when selling a new home. We get phone calls all the time about people price shopping different lawyers for closing costs, and I think most of the time, people are making an apples to oranges kind of comparison when they look at things. So we really wanted to break down what is it exactly that we're all paying for when you close on a property? What are the legal fees? What are the disbursements? Tell us about this title insurance stuff. What are these fees and how are they structured? So Jerry Gatto is an absolutely fantastic real estate lawyer that we've known for a very long time. Tons of rock star inner circle members, investors use him as their real estate lawyer. So we asked him to come in and break it out for us. So on this episode of the podcast, we do that. Nick jumps in. He, I think he had to take off a little bit early if memory serves correctly on this podcast, but we go through all the fees and Jerry does a fantastic job of this. It might sound like it's something that you sh- you don't need to know about. We feel you need to be in control of your investment. So you absolutely need to know this type of information. And if you are listening to this and you want to get some extra real estate investing information for yourself, one of the most popular things from us is the 90 minute introductory training class that we hold about once a month. That's where we share all the different investing strategies that we're working with investors right across the GTA and the Golden Horseshoe, where we're buying properties, what the cash flow numbers look like, what types of properties, what types of strategies. You can register for that if you go to rockstarinnercircle.com and you look for the big red button. There's a big red button on there where it says uh, investor training class class, you can grab a seat for that there. So if you go to rockstarinnercircle.com and you look for the big red button that says investor training, you can register for our next class. We host it about once a month. It's a 90 minute class. And at the end of the class, we stick around and do an open Q&A to answer all or any questions that you have when it comes to this kind of stuff. We feel even if you're not going to get into the real estate market, you might as well know about it so that you're educated in this space. That's what we're trying to do here. That's enough with the intro. Let's get started with Jerry Gatto. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we are live with Jerry Gatto and Nicholas Carazza, and we were just talking about um, 0% interest rates because I think it was just yesterday. I haven't even gone really into the details of it, but it does look, I think it's a 20-year term. It might have been 25. Yeah, well, like. Denmark or Belgium? Den- Denmark, Denmark. I think it's Denmark, and it's 0%, uh, 0% interest yeah. on the mortgage. Yeah. <laughs> and even in Germany, you know what, even in Germany was, and this is higher than zero, but it was point. Seven nine or something. I, I had to double check that this was accurate for a ten year mortgage. What a ripoff! So wow. yeah, wow, wow. but zero percent for twenty years. Oh. So Jerry, can you kind of can you look my, us up, man? Oh my god! Yeah, can, that's, yeah get get that's them. Get unbelievable. Them. Next time the bank sends you the mortgage documents, send them back, rewrite on them, saying these are no good. My <laughs> client wants zero percent for twenty years. Say unacceptable. Tom, yes. I say this. Tom and it's, Nick it's, think this is unacceptable. We should be at zero percent well, by now in Canada. Yeah, because we're seeing we're seeing things were one point four, one point five. Especially if principal residents. Well, Paul was just talking to you over there. A, r- a rental property looks like he's going to get 1.74 from CIBC. To yeah. Rental property mortgage, 1.74%. Yeah. Incredible. But Incredible. he's going to go with the variable, I think, at 1.6 or something like that. So, I mean, I, you know, this is essentially free, but the crazy part is we're likely going to go lower. And you can't go much lower on the variable because the, the bank, the prime rate 
is 0.25 percent or, or sorry sorry the overnight lending rate yeah from the bank of canada is already really low they don't have much room to move but the fixed rates who knows where we're going to go if the bond market goes negative yeah do fixed rates go lower they can go lower and it's all it's interesting because I, I know that you know um you know butler mortgages does all the mortgages and lots of times i have clients call me and say what do you think about the interest rates and i go i don't know anymore i mean i was just saying to you on 19 1985 my mortgage was at 18 percent and uh I mean, what a far cry. Now it's 1.8%. Well, what you, a difference. We were just talking. Didn't you say that uh, you were 18% and then you got a deal at 11%? So much of a deal that you paid mortgage penalties yeah, to get exactly. the 11 Oh, yeah. My wife and I were celebrating. We thought it was fantastic. We thought it was fantastic that we got 11% and it was incredible. We, uh, Our parents in the 80s in Mississauga, the Mississauga home that they still owned there, had 16.5% and they thought it was an incredible rate because they had some friends that I think were like 18, 19, yep. 20% range. Absolutely. And so 165 was like, they weren't complaining. Yeah, it, was a, it was a steal. It was a yeah, steal. It they was, felt it like was, it was, a, yeah. I'll never forget that era because it was really weird. I was pretty, pretty young, but uh, I remember playing in this one backyard of a, of a family friend's house in Etobicoke. And a year or two later, we didn't go back. We went to their apartment and I had found out that they had lost their house because yeah. they couldn't make the payments on on the mortgages after the interest rates were changed. I don't I obviously I don't know the exact yeah. sequence of what went down there. But that was my first kind of recollection of thinking like, oh, you can lose your home, yeah. you know, and uh, that's a weird, weird era. So for us to now go the opposite direction, it's just kind of mind numbing. And it, it might mean that if the economy actually contracts further and and the bond market kind of just goes negative, we might legitimately be looking at negative rates in this country. I know right now everyone has said, no, impossible, 100% not happening here. You'll never see negative rates. But I mean, there's a chance. Absolutely, there's a chance. Absolutely. Can you imagine if you're ever signing papers on a negative rate, Jerry? Yeah. They're paying you money. (laughs) (laughs) Negative rate mortgage? Yeah, yeah, the, I know. And I know there's a distinction. Negative I, rates and negative rate mortgage are two different, different things. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but, but it's I'm, not impossible. It's not impossible. I am talking about negative rate mortgage, and I understand the probability of that is low. But, but look, even look, even five years ago when we thought the rates were going lower, and, and even at that time, when we, maybe not five years ago, maybe three or four years ago, we were starting to think like, hey, negative rates might be a real possibility here. People looked at us like we were insane. So if you look today at the 0.99% mortgage that, that's available, I don't know if it still is or was available a few weeks ago, no. then you know even, an, even, even as little as five years ago, you would have thought that was nuts. But it's not nuts. Like it's here today and there's going to be pressure for these things to go lower. Well, I remember I've got clients locked in when rates were fixed at like 2.6, 2.7. I mean, lots of clients were jumping all over that thinking that's it if i can lock in for five years under three percent it's a bonus now they're all kicking themselves thinking what a mistake you know below three percent we all thought that was fantastic i mean and you know what it is fantastic let's face it but the more i hear just you guys speak the more i'm thinking you know what we are gonna the the bond market's gonna go negative in north america it's going to go negative this is insane it's good i think we're right apart this part of january i think doesn't biden get sworn in soon or whatever i know there's some trump uh, whatever the politics are going on in the u.s but i I think today's a big day today's a big day i don't even track it all but i know today there's some stuff (laughs) happening but uh but if biden gets in and i think georgia was last night these these votes i think they control the do they control the senate now nick do you know yeah so i I was reading a little bit into it this morning so it'll be 50 50 because they'll they'll get both and then the tie-breaking vote is the vice president 
So Harris is a type. Okay, of so so they're going to control both. Yeah, but there is more to it. Like if you look deeper into it, the way the U.S. politics have gone, it doesn't mean they're going to have carte blanche to do whatever they want because of a number of different things. So it's not as extreme as as it it can sound initially, but. Uh, and but, the reason I was asking, it was just I thought if they control both, then the the spending. There was a, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal yesterday or two days ago, Jerry, and the the headline is "Welcome to the Era of Nonstop Stimulus." Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, if the Democrats get in, they're likely yeah. going to spend a little bit. Both parties spend. Let's yeah, face absolutely. it, this is a both yes, both. Yes, There's no yes, difference. Yes. They both spend crazy amounts yes. of money. But if the Democrats get in, how much stimulus is going to go out the door might be mind numbing. I didn't mean us to get into politics here, but I just thought, wow, this is going to be fascinating to watch. Yeah, I was, I mean, even with the presidential election, to me, you know, there was a lot of, you know, people were, some Trump supporters, like people were kind of really emotional one way or the other. But if, if you remove the emotion of it, to me, it's like, it's going to be the same thing anyways. Both parties are going to have to spend immensely. Democrats, maybe they'll spend more. But either way, I was like, yeah, this thing's going to, yeah. it's going to the moon, th- this spending. Well, you know, the states, I mean, I've, I've had in the last three months, I've probably had. 10 or 15 clients that have owned properties in the states sold all the properties. They're, they're saying the prices in, in the states for real estate is going going crazy. So they're all sort of two reasons, jumping out of the states, and the market's fantastic. And there's people going, you know what, I'd rather be in, in, in Canada, specifically in Ontario. You've got better health care. There's no political upheaval and, uh, and you know, the real estate in in the states, especially Arizona, is going through the roof. And they got the conversion going for them. You know, they sell in American dollars, yeah. bring it back here in Canadian dollars. We actually have someone we know that kind of works with us a little bit virtually that moved to Buffalo. One of his reasons was just to be closer to the Canadian border. Yeah, isn't that one of the things yeah. he told us? Yeah, just well, to be bo- closer to yeah. the Canadian border. Well, Think ca- about that. Yeah, because they they I mean, and he it was two things. One was cost of living. Right, because he's like, look, it's, there's an opportunity that the cost of living there is kind of low, right, for for real estate and stuff. And I think long term, he has some hope that he might be able to get into Canada as well. He's originally from Europe, I forget exactly where, some Eastern Eastern Europe somewhere, mm-hmm. and then now he's there. And yeah, we'll see how it goes. But that's his hope, because he's like, I kind of want to get out of here. Like yeah. in the U.S., he's like, things are just. In his opinion, U.S. has a one a, a lot of great things going for it. Don't get me wrong, but in his opinion, there's just some some of the trends. He's like, I just don't think this is going to continue to be as great as maybe as it was. Jerry, it was probably the year 2010 and interest rates were low and we had some pretty senior mortgage brokers look at us and say, hey guys, when interest rates go back up, everybody's going to be caught off guard here. And we were a little more naive back then and kind of maybe even a bit more respectful in uh, honoring someone else's opinion who had been in the industry longer than us. But we remember hearing that at that time. And we were just doing the math on the extrapolation of the amount of debt that we saw being created through the 2007, 8, 9, 10 period. Yes. And we thought if this continues, mathematically, interest rates can't go up because just the interest that would be paid on the debt at the end of a 10-year cycle of this will prevent that possibility from happening. It's just unaffordable to do it. But we never vocalized that. But it drove a lot of our decisions here and thinking mm-hmm. like, hey, if we just look at this, we don't see their spend. They're doing QE1, QE2, QE3. Yeah. This looks like interest rates are going to be low. And at that time, we had multiple people tell us we were absolutely crazy. So if there's anything that we've learned over the last you know, t- 10, 20, 30 years as our family's been in real estate, it's that you can't beat monetary policy because the monetary policy of the of the system dictates what's going to happen in this game. Yes. So when interest rates kind of come down, you and I can ar- argue all day long if a property in Hamilton should be 
200,000, 300,000 or 800,000. But when interest rates go to the ground, it pushes these asset prices up, whether you and I think it should be one price or not. Exactly. And I've got, I mean, I act for, uh, <clears throat> we do a little bit family law in our office. And sometimes we have a husband and wife splitting up and, you know, one, one wants to buy the other out on the property. And I have a couple situations where I'm acting for the spouse wanting to get out and the other spouse is trying to buy. And I'm saying you can't rely anymore on appraisals and opinions because the market is crazy and nobody knows. I mean, you put a house up for sale for six fifty, and you're getting $8.99 for it with, with 55 offers. Firm, so, firm, firm deals. Yeah, firm deals. No home inspection, no condition on financing. So, I mean, it's really difficult for, for real estate agents, appraisers to put to put any value on a property because... The market is crazy. What we wanted to, so we can talk all day about this. What I really wanted to get is we get a lot of questions about the cl a real estate investor. I guess we can talk about primary homeowner or investor, but uh, I'd like to focus on investor if possible. When they close on a property, many investors get confused on the different fees, disbursement costs that they're going to incur on the closing of a property. Okay. So uh, today I just really want to go through that with you. I don't know if you have them kind of top of mind, but can you list off? I'm hoping you kind of do, Jerry. But uh, can you list surprise. off? The, yeah, surprise. This is what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, can you list off what does someone expect? Okay. So when they go through a closing, can you map this out? Because I know it, it might sound rather simple to you, but I can't tell you over the years how many people get confused on this. Perfect. So let me, let's start with, with an investor purchasing a property with a tenant. Sort of bring it back. Um, so if you have a tenant... Uh, there's a couple things aside from legal fees and disbursements. There's the rental adjustment that uh, that comes into play if you're an investor. And I always and and I think we've spoken about this. If you're buying a property and there's tenants, I always say try to close a transaction like the second or third of the month because you know if the tenant's paying two thousand dollars, you're going to get close to four thousand dollars reduction in price because of the the ta the um, first rental, and last rent, month's rent. First and last month's rent. So. As an investor, that's the first thing that's an adjustment is is the, the rental. Typically, if you're buying with tenants, that's a positive for you. Um, the second thing is a tax adjustment, property taxes, right? We we take the property taxes, we divide the, the number by 366, uh, 365, sorry, last year was 366 because of leap year, 365 days. We multiply it, you pay a per diem, depending on what the uh, previous owner has paid, the seller's paid, you, you adjust Typically, we calculate, we tell people figure seven fifty to a thousand dollars in a tax adjustment because lots of times because if they've if, prepaid, you if might they owe prepaid, them money you, back. you owe you owe the you owe the seller that money. And lots of times we have a situation where if a if a tax bill is owing, lots of times the bank will instruct us as their lawyer. So if there's there's a tax bill owing the end of February and you're closing end of January, lots of times the bank will ask us to ensure that that last that payment is paid so even if the seller hasn't paid it the bank's going to have to want to have to want you to pay that um, the other thing obviously the big thing is the land transfer tax now we're going now we're going into more into into legal into legal fees um, the big thing is the land transfer tax and that's simply a, a calculation the first fifty five thousand dollars is a half a percent up to 250 is one percent from 250 to 400 is one and a half percent 
Anything over $400,000, you pay 2%. If you're purchasing a property in Toronto, it's double. There's a, a municipal land transfer tax and a provincial land transfer tax. So, you know, nowadays, it's funny because even I, as, as an old lawyer, used to houses selling three, four $400,000. going, okay, quick, you know, 1%, three, three thousand, $3,500. Now all of a sudden, you, you get into a house that's, you know, six, $700,000. The amount over the $4,000 is at 2%. So, you know, you're buying a property at $800,000. That extra amount you're paying, you know, eight down, all of a sudden it jumps to like $12,000. I never a- really thought about it. Think of the tax revenue. So all the real estate transactions going down in this kind of COVID era, let's say since March when the real estate market just got crazy outside of Toronto where properties yep. have just been exploding yep. with, with all these offers. Think of the tax revenues the governments have been pulling in all the, on all the land transfer. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. well, well, and just think of the other the other areas where they've implemented a second land transfer. Well, yeah, like yeah. like Toronto, like we're talking yeah. about. I'm just saying that the other areas it, are the, a little more aggressive, uh, hotter a, markets. That's oh, I yeah, heard, yeah. I heard a statistic that in Toronto, I think last year or the year before, they they made something like thirty million dollars from the double land transfer tax. But but Jerry, they can spend it way faster than yeah. they can make it. But, <laughs> but What's 30 million? A couple potholes. I have a pothole here and there, Jerry. But interestingly <laughs> enough, at my end, and I'm sure, you, I'm sure you guys see this as well, property taxes in Toronto are typically a lot lower than they are in Hamilton. 100%. Hamilton right, is always, yeah. we've always said that about our properties in Hamilton. When you look at the Hamilton property tax rate, we're like, there are some some funny business yeah. going on. Because I'm like, Hamilton. where is this money going? Because the percentage. And is, the roads in Hamilton have their bumps, man. Let's face it. Like, what is happening? Yeah, I, Hamilton is always high. Maybe so it's I'm, all you Ancaster folk well, uh, yeah. pulling all the tax money in there. Well, you never know. The Did you hear that laugh? That yeah, was a yeah, different yeah. tone to that no, laugh. Yeah, yeah. Well, the dip... Uh, if you look at the if you look at the double land transfer tax for Toronto, and I say this to a lot of clients, if you're buying in Toronto and holding the property for fifteen or twenty years, you're better off paying the the land transfer tax up front, and you save the money over the course of twenty years. Where the double land transfer tax hurts an investor who's buying and flipping properties in the Toronto area, right? And you're not, you're not keeping it long enough to be able to reap the benefits of the lower taxes. Um, now, so going back to our, our costs, the next item on the land transfer tax, um, you've got title insurance. And title insurance, um, it, it's 100% mandatory because the banks are going to make it mandatory? It's 100%. If you're getting a mortgage, definitely mandatory. If you were paying cash, and I've got, we've got clients recently who were you know, putting a HELOC on their house and, and purchasing the investment property cash. Um, they can opt out of title insurance. I really recommend against it. The cost of title insurance, um, probably between five hundred to a thousand dollars, depending on the value of the house. It's almost like car insurance, right? If you're driving a Ferrari and I'm driving a, you know, a, a, a Volkswagen Beetle, you're going to pay more insurance than I am because the risk of losses is higher with you than it is with me. So the the title insurance does go up, but depending on the value of the property. But typically, you can figure between five hundred to a thousand dollars is the usual number, and the title insurance. It's a one-time fee, first of all. So it's not like house insurance where you're paying every month. Uh, every year you're, pay- you're paying your house insurance. This is a one-time fee. The only time you'd ever have to get more title insurance is if you refinance the property with another institution. So you move the, the house from Bank of Nova Scotia to CIBC or from CIBC to Royal Bank. Then on that refinance, the institution's going to want insurance because the policy 
does have two components to it. One component is for the owner, the buyer of the property protects you against fraud, protects you against um, non-payment of final bills by the previous owner, and it protects you against any potential work orders that might creep up, creep up at some point uh, during your ownership. So, what you know, does, and it protects you maybe against any incorrect uh, surveying of like the lot. You yeah, know, sometimes the, it, yes. there's a driveway and people have thought, oh, that belonged to the neighbor, but it actually belongs to you or vice versa. Does it protect you on that kind yes, of stuff? Yes, it protects you against that. I, perfect example example to title insurance, kind of getting a little off track. I I had a, a, a situation once downtown Hamilton where the driveway was at the rear of the property. And the, the same individual owned all three price houses. They were a row, three attached houses. And he severed the three properties, never bothered to put a um, right away at the back of anybody's property. And you'd come in off the alleyway, I think it was Ferry Street or something, downtown Hamilton. You'd come off the alley and you'd access your, your, your um, garage. Well, my client sold the property uh, she was the middle owner. Uh, the lawyer called me two days before closing and said, we've got a problem. Was the neighbor at closest to the, um, the alleyway street. is putting a fence up, closing off that right away. So we all, he looked on title. There was no right away registered on you title. You couldn't get to your own garage. You couldn't get to your own garage, right? So he called the, the owner and the owner said, well, when, when we bought it, the individual that owned all three properties said, hey, Tom, do you mind if Nick comes through your backyard to their garage? And Nick, do you mind if Jerry comes through you? So she said, well, it was nice. We were neighborly. But now that it's a new neighbor, I don't want that new neighbor going into my backyard. Anyway, title insurance came through. And we figure they, they did a quick calculation. They figured that the, it affected the value of the property by about $30,000. So they ended up giving the buyer $30,000 payment for the loss of the use of their Oh my garage. God, and the other neighbor, I thought you were going to say they gave that one That's neighbor $30,000 for right-of-way no, access. No, that, that, well, I'm, I'm positive what happened was the, the buyer took the thirty grand, Gave it to the neighbor. And went to the neighbor and said, here, I'll give you ten grand. let me park here, let me use the backyard. I'm, I'm almost positive. But title insurance came through in that situation and resolved the problem. Otherwise, we wouldn't have been able to close the transaction because the seller, the buyer is going, well, I'm not getting a house with a, with a garage in the back. What's a, what's a fraud example when somebody's well, selling fraud, a house they don't own? Yes, uh, selling a house they don't own. Um, they get your hands on your passport, your driver's license. You know, you can go to Toronto for $100. I can get my picture put on your passport. So because can, everything... Can you give us the address of where you can get that? <laughs> it's right by the so gold... Passport, right by the, right by so the chain this passport place, right? let us travel around the world? <laughs> yeah, that's right. But, you know, if I, if I get my hand... I mean, everything's electronic now. Years ago in the registry system, at least there was some signatures. There was some documentation. You, you'd meet with the other lawyer that, that was mean. You could do a little bit more due diligence. Nowadays, all we do is push a button. And that's, you know, one of the abilities for us as lawyers, um, it's... The registry system being electronic has allowed us to expand our geographic territory. I mean, years ago, I couldn't do a deal in Mississauga and Toronto and, you know, in Hamilton and St. Catharines all in one day because I had to run to the registry office. I'd have to meet the other lawyer. We'd exchange documents. We'd exchange uh, checks. 
keys. And we would do that. So as a, as a sole practitioner, a couple guys in a law firm, unless you're driving all over Ontario on a, on a Friday closing transactions, well, all that's gone out the window. Just How- think, think about that. Think about that world, though. Like yeah. dry, You were driving to meet other lawyers, exchanging checks and documents and then keys. Like just like in today's world, that process just seems so antiquated. It seems crazy. You're giving me a flashback and I know we're going to get way off topic. I'll bring us back. There's this book I've been talking about lately called The Sovereign Individual. I have a copy behind behind me here and it basically was written 20 years ago and it predicted the how the information age would evolve. And it specifically said lawyers won't have these boundaries where, you know, you could do things electronically and a lawyer is going to be able to transact for you just remotely on a whole bunch of stuff. So to have you sitting, because I'm rereading the book right now, to have you sitting here saying that you're doing it is just like blowing my mind. I remember, I remember I started, I articled, I I got called to bar in 84. I articled in 1983 and I articled in a firm with 12 lawyers and we, we did a lot of real estate in that firm. And I remember Fridays, I'd pack up a huge suitcase and I'd go park my butt at the registry office because I would close everybody's transactions, right? So I'd be the, I'd be the go-to guy and we'd have people running back and forth from the registry office bringing, bringing me checks, picking up keys. And that was, I would just park my... Now, it was nice because it was, was a little... When, when, when was this? The, 1983. Wow. It was the, nice in the summer, not in the winter. Well, it was, <laughs> well you know what? It was interesting. Now, the upside... You got to meet your fellow colleagues. Yeah, you got yeah, to meet the lawyer that you... Smooth over the transactions. Right, yeah, you yeah. talked to somebody who was a little bit more personal now. I mean, there's lawyers in, in even in Hamilton. I've heard their names. I've had dealings with them. I wouldn't know who they were if I met them on the street. No idea who they are. Where back then, there, there was a little bit more... That is, a da- like, that is definitely a downside because it, it, it's, it's no different than a lot of things going online and social media. There, there might be relationships happening, but they're just the depth of relationship and the meaning of it is just not the same. Right. And there's other ones that, that, that are valuable as well. But I don't know. There's something to be said. I guess it's just who I am. I like having relationships with people. I like seeing you in person and talking to you. There's just a difference. Right. So it's, it, you're right. That is, a, that, there, that is the downside, you know, that we're missing that for sure. Exactly. And even with, even with me in my practice today, and maybe because I'm an old guy, um, but I still, if there's an issue on a, on a file, Rather than send an email, rather than sending a letter, I like to pick up the phone and call the other lawyer. I've I, been in your office when you've done that multiple times. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just, I, I just, I guess maybe because it's kind of lines with what I personally like and, and would want done as well. Uh, and you're good at that. Like it's, it, it makes a difference. I think that, that definitely goes a long way in today's world, especially when there's something that needs to be sorted out because so much can be mistaken in an email, tone, intent, all sorts of stuff. It's just a mess. Exactly. Right? And you know, and you might send an email and, you know, you might give your, your line, um, you know, this is what I want. When really, you know, you can you can accept a little bit less. Or on your phone, you can say, look, here's my official line. However, if you came back to me and did this, I know that, you know, we can work this out, my client. So th- there is lots, lot more interaction between lawyers. Hey, you kibitz a little bit, you joke around, you know, and it just, I think it just settles the situation. Although, I agree Lots of young lawyers. No way. Put it in writing. Send it to me in writing. That's all I want to discuss. That's fine. And you deal with that. But a lot of the older lawyers still, you know, the phone calls um, get resolved. I think resolve problems a lot quicker than sending back four or five letters. I could just imagine listening to two lawyers go back and forth on the phone call. Those are, those are not quick phone calls, let me tell you. But uh, yeah, yeah, got it. Okay, so okay, t- back. So, so we got title insurance. Yeah. We've talked about title insurance. So the, just one last thing about the fraud. The fraud is is a twofold. 
uh, dilemma. And that's why the policy is, is covers the owner of the property and also covers the lender. So if the person putting the mortgage on is the fraudster, the CIBCs of the world, the Bank of Nova Scotia's of the world are protected with the title insurance. And that's why they insist on title insurance being put on at the time that you purchase the property or refinance. For yourself, if you were paying cash and you wanted to waive the requirement for title insurance, I'd be advising against it, but that's your option. If you said, no, no, I don't want title insurance, you don't have, you're not, it is not a mandatory uh, insurance to get if you're paying cash. And this replaces the need. I think back in the day, I know when, when Nick and I bought that place in Croatia, the lawyers that we were dealing with there, it was fascinating because they were going back. And if I did the translation properly, I feel like they were looking at deeds or like old written um, representation of who owned the different land. And they were going back at these old copies of papers to see like who owned what and to change the ownership of it. Is that Was that a deed yes, that they were looking and, at? And we and still to, do that. Oh, you still do that, but, but it's just the title insurance insures on any mistakes in that process are covered. No, the title insurance, the way, the way I explain to clients is that the title insurance, I protect you to the day we close the deal. Okay, that's my job. That's what you're paying me for. Once we complete the transaction, if there's an issue, the people don't pay their final bills because they've come and done, uh, they've done a meter reading, and uh, the guy's moving to California, and he decides he's not paying his final bills. You submit you submit the expenses to the title insurance company; they pay it. Somebody commits a fraud. Um, okay, got you, you know it. that's what the but the deed is that's a- before that comes. That's my that's in my domain. That's in your solicitor's domain, and we'll get into that in just a second. But that's the title insurance protection from the day of closing forward. That's what it's there for. So next thing um, on on the um, costs. Now you've got two two sep- separate things. You've got legal fees, and you have disbursements. So if we talk about legal fees for just a second, the way I like to do it. Um, you took a big breath there, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> you get into it. Yeah, you yeah. get into it. So legal fees. He's getting to his lawyer mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a big, okay. <laughs> Let's go. Let's talk first about a sale. So the way I structure my legal fees on a sale is we charge you X number of dollars if you're simply doing a sale and there is no mortgage on your property. So it's a simple sale. It's a little easier for us. We're not we're not requesting discharges, et cetera, et cetera, paying out a mortgage. Um, if you do if you do have a mortgage, we charge um, extra for discharging that mortgage. If you have two mortgages, we charge a little bit extra. If there's a notice of security, sometimes you've you've purchased a furnace, you've purchased an air conditioner, and that's that has to be paid out. Again, we we go you know depending on the things that we need to do to clean up your title is what we we charge. Okay, and then maybe it's the salesperson in me, but it's 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 not extra. You have one fee if there's no mortgage. It's a there's more work required if there's mortgages to be dispersed, so you have a different fee structure correct, for correct. for that. And I'm not really trying to defend you or no, anything. No, I just no, mean yeah. that's to me the better language yeah, because it's perfect. not like you're charging extra. It's yeah. just that these are different things that are need to be accomplished. Uh, exactly. And, and each of them has different costs because your office has different requirements and there's more work involved. Exactly. Exactly. And that's a perfect way to put it. That's why you're a salesman. I'm not. Buddy. And if it's, if it's a rental property though, and so I'm selling my rental property, tenants are in there. So the leases have to be then moved from me to the new owner. Is there an additional cost on me or typically that's the buy when you're buying? 
only on the buy side. Yeah, we, be some cost. we don't charge extra for that. Okay. Because that's simply what we do is we, we simply either do an assignment of rents if the other side wants it or a simple direction to the, to the uh, buyer signed by our client. You know, hey, Joe, from here on in, you're paying rent to Tom instead of Nick from here on in, and Nick signs the direction. So we don't charge extra for okay. that. We simply, we just, um, as Tom properly put it, it depends on what's, a what's on the title. And that's based on the work that's involved for us. The okay. more things that there, there's on the title of your property, obviously more work at our end to, to clean it up. But um, things like things like uh, you know assignment of rents and things like we don't we don't okay. look at sometimes on a sale. You know we've got a client that um, they're also buying something and their financial institution wants them to pay off for credit cards as part of the sale so that they qualify for their their purchase. We charge, there's a little extra work for us because we've got to contact the credit card company. We've got to cut checks to them. So there's a little bit more work at our end and, and, yeah, our, fee, and our fee reflects the, the think, extra okay. work. And the one about just the just the legal fee, so not the additional for you know mortgage, let's just assume it's a very clean one with nothing, no extra steps involved. And I'm just curious, and I know we'll get to the buy side in a second, but is the actual legal fee the same in your office for a purchase or a sale? Or is it, no, the purchase is typically a little bit more because automatically there's more work involved a little bit, or no? For the legal fees, it's the we same. charge exactly the same. One transa a transaction is a transaction, a and then whatever additional work. Absolutely. Okay. And what's what changes is the disbursements, obviously. I mean, on a sale, you're not paying land transfer tax. You're not paying uh, title insurance, right? You're usually in that, if you're selling, you usually, other than your mortgage, you got real estate commission that has to be paid. And that's a, it, that's a very important one. Absolutely. That's yeah. a very important one. And, uh, you know, that that's something that uh, is important for everybody because that's they're the guys that generate the, the, the sale for you. Right. So there we go. Jerry's man. defending it. Whoa, whoa. Now we're way now we're now it's turned into a sales yeah. podcast about we're defending well, realtors and lawyers. And we've lawyers. reached yeah. a new low. Yeah. Yeah. We have reached a new low. We're both, we're <laughs> it, it, just one little side note on real. I do have lots of clients. You know, I'll have clients call me and say, well, you know, I'm thinking of selling it on my own instead of paying a real estate agent. And I always say, at the end of the day, with respect to the real estate commission, if if a client has a bottom line number in their mind as to what they want to get and the real estate agent gets them that bottom line number, who cares who you're paying, right? If you got to pay a real estate agent, he got you that bottom line number. And we'll and, and we'll say the same thing to an investor, if, like you know, because we have some properties where the the tenant is buying the property, and we're like, listen, in this case, we can advise you here and there, yeah. but you don't even need us to take yeah. any responsibility here because mm -hmm. you're the seller, you have the buyer. Yeah. If you get the right lawyer yeah. to protect your interests, there's no real estate commissions yeah. that need to be involved in yeah. this transaction right. here. Like we're in from from our side, we're investors ourselves. Yeah, was, why would yeah. we get in the middle of that? But get the right legal advice. Yes, exactly, exactly, and that's and that goes both ways. I mean, with buying, you know, clients that are looking to buy, I always say, but that's where the real estate agent's expertise comes in. The, I have no idea what if the house is worth five hundred thousand or if the house is worth eight hundred. That's outside of my domain. I because if I knew that, I'd be a multimillionaire right now. But right? I'm sure everyone wants your opinion on it, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But and I sit there and I say, I have no idea. That's yeah. that's what so, you hire real estate agents for. So yeah, I gotta take. I prompt my my 
daughters are both at home doing okay. online schooling. So I yesterday I went for one lunch date with one daughter. I and promised I, the okay, other daughter perfect. today. So I have to take off okay. a little bit early. I apologize. No okay, Thank you good. very much. Yeah, we're not going to be much longer anyway. Good. The, so the legal fees on that, that was we were talking about the sale. Can we transition now to the buy? On the buy? Yeah. Same sort of idea. You're, you're a purchase, cash purchase is less work than a purchase with one mortgage. Um, sometimes an institution will, will require, if it's an investment property, what's called an assignment of rents. And I know a lot of um, Rockstar clients specifically have asked me about assignment of rents. There's a couple institutions. I know Bank of Nova Scotia, if they know it's a rental property, almost inevitably wants an assignment of rents. And basically, assignment of rents is you as the owner are assigning your rights as the owner of the property to the lending institution so that if you stop paying your mortgage, that lending institution with that assignment can go directly to your tenant and collect the rent directly from your tenant so that you're not missing your mortgage payments, but you continue to collect the rent. The bank can go in, step in your shoes and say, hey, Mr. Tenant, you know, John's not paying uh, his mortgage. We insist that you pay the rent directly to us. And if you don't pay, with that assignment, they have the right to take you to the residential tenancy board to have you evicted. And they only have that right to redirect the rent money directly to them if you are not paying the mortgage? Absolutely, if you're in default. That's yeah. the only thing. Uh, okay. Yeah, they're not, they're, okay. then they're not going to go and you know, knock on your tenant's door. Okay. That's me immediately getting suspicious of the absolutely, banks. But, absolutely, uh, but, yeah. Okay. That's only, okay, so that's a, an assignment and just of rent. On, 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 oh, and on that, before we go any more on the buy, any buyers that you've dealt with, you said a couple recently just bought all cash. Um, what, what, what was going through their mind? Did they make any comment? I'm not trying to get you to reveal any family secrets about anybody, but in general, what was going through someone's mind when they're going to buy a property well, all cash? Well, I think some, some, a couple people that I've acted for, I think their, their, their thought process was they, they put um, a HELOC on, on their house. So they had the uh, availability to pay cash. They were planning on doing some renovations and then taking it back to an institution once all of the work has been done, I, rather than putting it on, then going back, having to discharge that mortgage. I think that was easier. You, yeah, yeah, it's just it. easier. You pay cash, do the renovations that you have to do. Hopefully it, it does bring the value of the property up. Now you get it uh, appraised and you take you take your money back and you go pay your your Got pay it. down your HELOC. I think that's been the rationale with most, most people doing that uh, specific thing. Sense. Okay, anything else on the buy then other than assignment, it's a assignment nope. of rents? That's, I mean, unless you're getting a second mortgage, which doesn't doesn't okay. happen very often. And then the tip, so that's legal fees. That's legal fees. And then the disbursements? And then you've got disbursements. Now, with disbursements, and I know and um, with disbursements on a sale, we usually have a block block set of fees with, you know, postage, photocopies, faxes, uh, couriers, things of that nature. You're going to have to update the fax one. The yeah, fax yeah. one's got to well, be updated. Be well, believe it or not, still we still, really? yeah, yeah, we still have oh. lawyers. We go back and forth faxes and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes, hey, when we're in a pinch, sometimes we're emailing and faxing. Yeah, we're, you know, yeah, we have yeah, to get a hold. It. So, I mean, that's usually a block uh, a block fee. So for like an, some administration costs. Yes, yeah, some in administration costs. Now, you were talking earlier about deeds. Um, my office does a full 40-year search on every property. And that's important because, because not everybody does that? Not everybody does that. And I always say to clients that call me quoting fees, This I always say somebody else is doing, you know, the, I've had 
People say, well, this lawyer does all in this price. And I say, make sure that they're doing a full 40-year search on the property. Why is that important? Because if there's liens that existed 20 years ago and they've been missed by the previous lawyers, you're now buying a property with some liens on them or title problems, uh, title issues. You know, we've had situations where, for example, an estate has sold the property and they have forgot to put things like spousal status, debts are paid of the estate, and those end up becoming what they call thumbnails on your property, and they become an issue someday if you want to sell. And you want to sell it, and there is some problems, and somebody's trying to get out of their deal, and your title is not perfectly clean, you can have an issue. So we go back and we look at it and we look at the dimensions of the property, make sure that the legal description fits with what the agreement of purchase and sale says, even though the agreement of purchase says more or less. So if the property is supposed to be 45 feet and it's 44, we're okay. But if it's 34, there's a problem, you know. And you do find that kind of thing? Yeah, we do find that all the time. And if I didn't, and if you didn't find it, but would the title insurance still cover me if I did get a problem? No, not with things like that. Not oh, within, really? No, that's that's where the lawyer comes in and, and certifies the title and makes sure that you don't have ha, have issues. Any of these thumbnails. Yeah, now, now, I look, now I look at title insurance, and I've used this analogy, even tax certificates. I know a lot of lawyers do not uh, write for tax certificates to the, to the various municipalities. We write tax certificates all the time. Tax certificate proving that the taxes that taxes have been are paid. paid. So if you're telling me as a seller, you're saying, "Yeah, I've paid my taxes for 2020." We actually write to the municipality, and well, some lawyers don't confirm that. A lot of lawyers not confirm it, and the rationale is is because title insurance covers that. My rationale is this. Tom, you're a busy guy. I'm a busy guy, right? For $75, it's like somebody, and and I use the example, the same analogy with all my clients. I know that in the plaza down the street, they steal a lot of cars. My insurance will cover me if somebody steals my car, but it's a pain in the butt if somebody steals my car. So I'm going to try to avoid having my car stolen. With this, I don't want to be writing back and forth and wasting three or four hours of your time trying to clear up... insurance that should have been paid by the previous seller so we're putting a claim in you'll get paid but i'm thinking for 75 dollars, do you want to waste three or four hours of your time and three or three or four hours of my time trying to fix that problem so we always order tax certificates zoning if it's a duplex if somebody's buying a duplex if somebody's buying a triplex and that again comes from the agreement of purchase and sale page three of the agreement tells you what the what the intended intended use of the property is. And, you know, if, if the, the seller's representing that it's a duplex, we write and get a zoning verification certificate from the municipality. Lots of times we'll also write to the fire department because sometimes if, if it is a duplex or a triplex, sometimes the fire department will have come there and maybe required a fire exit. And they respond to you, the and fire they department? Respond. You pay, you pay. You oh, pay, but it. they'll respond to you. We'll, so, you know, we just make sure that the zoning is what the seller's representing. Now, I know that Rockstar's, re- I've, a lot of the Rockstar agents are fantastic in that they do a lot of that before, 
You know, a lot of them will go to the municipality, which is great. So if, if I have I think just it, because we've hit the problems before, yeah, so yeah, we're like, okay, let's check yeah, this let's stuff out. Yeah, do it. But if, you know, I'll call and call and say, do you have a zoning? No, I don't. Great. We'll write. And that zoning verification certificate, depending on where the municipality is, can range in cost between two to $300. So again, that gets added to the disbursements. Fire department, depending on the municipality, can range between 100 to $200. But... If you're buying a property that you think is zoned for two families and it's not zoned that way, there's a big problem. So for me, the three, the three or four hundred. We've had people buy properties or own properties that they were told was a proper duplex, and they operated like a duplex, only for a neighbor to complain. Bylaw officer shows up at the door saying, "Hey." Whoever's living in the basement can't live in the basement. You know what kind of disaster that is? Exactly. You have a tenant in the basement. You're dealing with the tenant board. How do I get these people out? They're paying their rent. That's right. But now the bylaw guy's telling me they can't be there. It's just a nasty situation. Well, interesting. It's not necessarily, uh, I say to clients, it's not always the neighbor. It's the tenant themselves. Yeah, you know what? You're making me realize that we've seen multiple cases of that. When the tenant stops paying the rent and threatens that they're going to report the property. Exactly. It's, and it's you know, exactly to, to what the happened. poor investor who used a lawyer who didn't check it out or used people that weren't doing enough due diligence and you kind of get screwed that way. And it's, it's just horrible. Yeah. But that's happened. I, I shouldn't laugh at this, but I've heard this multiple yeah, times. It, it, it is. It's a tendency. And that's why going back to, to, to fees and disbursements, I know I've had clients call me and say, you know, I've called this other lawyer and he's given me an all in fee of X. And I say, but we hear that all the time. too. But and you it's can't cheaper. Get a, it's you cheap. can't get an all in fee because for, as far as I'm concerned, if Tom's buying a house and Nick's buying a house, Tom's buying a duplex, Nick's buying a single family residential, my disbursements are going to be higher on, on Tom's property than they are going to be on Nick's property. So either I'm not going to do all the proper searches to keep within that number, or you know, Tom, technically somebody's paying more towards my legal fees. My philosophy has always been, those are my legal fees. My extra expenses... Tom, if yours came out to six hundred dollars, you pay me six hundred. If Nick's come out to five fifty, Nick pays me five fifty. So at the end of the day, the total fee, the total cost, legal fees, disbursements, and HST might be a little higher for Tom than it was for Nick, but the fee is exactly the same. Yeah, the work that I did is exactly the same. The extra expenses, depending on what the municipality you're in. Okay, so when we see invest, and this is why I, I, you're helping me answer the question, because over the last decade, I can't tell you how many times people have shopped lawyer fees around, and they've come to us and said, you know, well, this lawyer says he's going to do everything for X dollars, and, you know, your guy is saying this, this amount, and this is where it kind of comes from. Um, and we haven't just seen it with, you know, you, Jerry, multiple, yeah, everybody's got their yeah, yeah, lawyers yeah, yeah, and their fees and all that kind of stuff. And we've always tried to explain these kinds of things, but it's nice just to get it documented out the way you are today. Yeah. And, I'm, and, and the thing is, is I always say to clients, make sure that if you hire a lawyer, that lawyer's going to be there if you need him. Um, why, why are you saying well, that? Well, we don't, if there's issues on closing, we don't charge any extra. If there's, you know, if there's... Because that comes out, I can't tell you how often we have somebody say, well, I used, uh, you know, my, my, my father has a business. We use his lawyer for everything. We're going to use his lawyer. And I'm like, hey, that's great. I'm sure they're protecting your interest in the business beautifully. Yeah. Do they have real estate experience? And the reason I'm asking that is because if something does happen, you want a lawyer. And this is from just watching you over the years, Jerry, get on the phone. We've seen you go to properties. I, th- I think you freaking checked the toilet once because yeah, the yeah, property was I, close I, enough yeah. to you. You went and checked the toilet. Was I remember that. I remember before that. The, yeah. that one's always yeah. stuck in my yeah. head. Yeah. But you want a lawyer who understands the ins and outs of real estate 
estate closings because if they don't, little details can be missed like this single family duplex kind of scenario Absolutely. and it really might come back to haunt you. Yeah. And the thing is, is, I mean, I, interestingly enough, I just had a client call me, um, just before Christmas and he's, he was starting to ask me some questions on a new purchase, the HST implications, rebate, things like that. Um, during the conversation, he said, well, I'm using another lawyer to close a transaction. I said, okay, so, so why aren't you speaking to that lawyer? Oh, he says, I haven't, I've used that firm for four years. I've never spoken to a lawyer at that office. I go, what do you mean you've never spoken? Oh, I've never, I've never met or spoken to the lawyer in the office. All, all, all I've ever done is, no, all I've ever dealt with is their clerks. And to me, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. To me, if I'm paying a lawyer, I want that lawyer to meet with me on, on closing, that lawyer to, to help me sign. Now, there's situations I do have an articling student that works in my office. So either between myself or my articling student, you're not meeting a clerk. You're meeting either the lawyer or a young lady who's about to be a lawyer in three months. And I think that that's what you're paying for. You're, you're paying for that expertise to... to uh, as part of the fee. I mean, if I'm having a clerk and you're never meeting a lawyer, that's that's your prerogative and I can't compete with that and I don't try to compete sure. with that, right? But I think that is the biggest thing for everyone to be aware. It, you want a lawyer who has some expertise in what you're doing. It took me a long, I, I early on assumed lawyers did everything. I thought, oh, you're a lawyer, yeah. so you can you know do everything, but there's different specialties, just Absolutely. like real estate, there's a specialty in everything. Well, um, anything else on the, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Anything else on the disbursements? That's Not it. really. That's that, the main one. That, so, and so the primary thing to remember is that if you're getting different fees from different lawyers, just understand what you're getting to make Absolutely. sure you're making an apples to apples comparison. Correct. So on the situation where that a tenant might call and threaten to report, um, when a bylaw officer does show up, have you ever been involved in any of those situations? Do you, do you know how those kind of get settled? I, I, it, it's, usually it's what's difficult. Ha- it's difficult. Usually what I've seen happen is the, uh, the investor or the landlord pay to get the tenant to leave and say, Hey, listen, I'm going to give you 500 bucks. You don't have to catch up on last month's rent, but they, they just want the hassle cleared up and leave. And I found that that's sometimes the most effective way. Uh, and some people are just going to like burn me for saying that to say like you would pay for someone to, that is threatening you. But sometimes it's just the cheapest and fastest way here. Don't pay the, the month of rent that you're missing. Here's $500. Please vacate. I, I, and you know what, Tom, that's exactly um, the advice that I give lots of clients. You can go through the hassle. You can try and take them to the residential tenancy. You can t- do all of that. You know what? At the end of the day, sometimes you're better off saying, look, I'll give you X. Leave leave the house in good condition. Don't, don't damage it. We'll look at it before you leave. If everything's good, I agree to give you X, X number of dollars so you can move on. And absolutely, you know, I mean, but that runs with everything. Sometimes I love clients that have principle. Principal is fantastic. Lawyers love clients that have principal and deep pockets because but, those but the, things yeah. can cost you lots of but money. what hill do you really want to die on? Exactly. Some of those hills aren't worth dying yeah, on. Yeah, it's, it's not worth it. I mean, I, I know you're right. The guy's complaining. He's, he's making my life miserable and I'm giving him money. But you know what? He's out of your hair or she's out of your hair. Even clients selling property sometimes, you know, and they want to sell it vacant because I, I mean, I think, and you know this better than I do, I think a property has more value empty than it does with tenants so but if you're selling it to another investor you're not you're not going to be able to get that tenant out sometimes you're better off going to the tenant saying look i want to sell 
let me let me negotiate a resolution between the two of us so you can vacate, you can move on, you can buy yourself, you can rent yourself another property, and that tenant's out of your hair. You don't, do you have to do that? Absolutely not. Is that the wisest choice? Generally, it is. Now, sometimes a tenant won't won't leave no matter what you do, and they're just uh, yeah. And you're going to have to go through the process. Yeah, you're going to through the process. But generally, if you you throw some you throw some money at a tenant, and they know that they can they can move on and get themselves something else. Most tenants are pretty reasonable. We had a situation once in a duplex that we own. We still have this particular property. We, we it's now a single family home rental, but we were renting out the basement, and they moved in some family members into that basement. And under the Tenancy Act in Ontario, I you know I originally thought if you're not on the lease, well you know yeah. you can't you can't really live there. But I've come to now understand <laughs> that if someone invites someone into their house to be part of their family and live with them there, and maybe an extra noise is being created, maybe extra garbage is being created for the garbage take on that. Kind of stuff you really can't just point at the leaf lease and, and get them out so they had about i think six months left in the lease and a situation came up where i was able to tell them hey i'm not going to come after you if you break the lease here yeah. if you leave i'm just going to pretend that lease is you know been canceled and yes. i'm not going to come after you so there's a way to kind of pay people out i wasn't going to come after them anyway i was very happy that they were going to leave but there's a way to almost pay them out with just kind of negotiating that way too saying hey listen i know you signed a one-year lease if you leave now we're going to part ways happy i'm not coming after you for any of that kind of losses that i might incur here and you know let's let's part ways as friends but uh there's always these weird situations in I, rental properties and, that pop and, up and they, and they come up and that's why i mean at the very least, taking us back to the, the use, at the very least, you want to be able to know that your property is properly zoned so that if you do have issues, that's not something that your tenant has hanging over your head. I mean, at least... Yeah, coming you know, back to the original point, yeah, know what you're buying. Yeah, know what yeah. you're buying. If you're buying a triplex, let's make sure it's zoned as a triplex. Um, and if you're buying a duplex, let's make sure it's zoned But everyone, properly. I remember when Nick and I got started, I mean, we, we didn't even know to check some things. We were just, we met a realtor. He, you know, says this is a good property. We buy like a student rental yeah. property. We have no idea how it's zoned. And nobody we know was checking if that was the right thing or the wrong thing. So sometimes you're just going to naturally make these mistakes, which is why you want... A good lawyer, good professionals. This sounds so self-serving, but I really don't care anymore because I've seen so many people get yeah. screwed. You need professionals around you who know what the heck they're doing. And and there's you know, and no one's going to be perfect. Absolutely, nobody's perfect. And and I say to clients lots, and I do, and I know that you know we work we work well together, and I work with a lot of your your agents. Um, you know, we work with the mortgage guys, we work with Butler's office, and I always say to clients, there's something to be said about familiarity with all the people that work together. If I have an issue and I have to call one of your one of your one of your agents, it takes me two seconds and they respond almost instantly. If we got a problem with the mortgage, I pick up the phone, I call Butler's office, whoever's dealing with it responds to me instantly. There's something to be said about that. Issues get resolved very nicely and quickly when everybody's sort of working together and working for the same goal and we all know each other. There's there's a big plus there. Yeah, totally. Jerry, I, I thank you for going through this. Um, anything else on, on this subject? Anything else to be sharing, or do we cover? Do no, we, no, we cover, we've covered it. We've covered everything. Yeah, thank you for that. You're running again. You said you how many yes. kilometers are you seven, running? Seven, seven kilometers every you other crazy? day. Crazy man, this no, no, one no. thing I can't do. I can't do it. <laughs> if you see me run, I call myself the jalopy when I run because when I run at one time at this this CrossFit gym that we go to, there was this thing about a year and a half ago, and we had to wear a weighted vest, and I had to, my weighted vest wasn't heavy, heavy enough, so I had to put an extra weight in the vest. And when I was running, I guess I had such a poor gait when I run or whatever you call it 
these weights were clanking together and I'm slow. Like I'm a slow runner. Um, so everyone's racing through this thing. And then I come around the corner and all I hear is clank, clank of these metal plates. So that's it. I call myself the jalopy when I run, but I'll do it. I'll always yeah. do the runs. Well, you know, it's demoralizing. My nephew, who's 23 years old, comes with me. And once in a while, for, when he runs with me, for him to, to speed up, he'll turn around and run backwards so that he can face me as we're running because I yeah. run that slow. So That's like Aiden with his legs over here. Yeah. He, he runs. Uh, uh, you, you don't know. Nick's not here. We were in Croatia a few summers ago, and Nick didn't know how fast. Aiden plays soccer and all this stuff. He doesn't know how yeah. fit these guys are, yeah. right? Because Nick thinks he's pretty fit, which he is. <laughs> but he's running in Croatia uh, outside our condo there, and there's a really hilly area. And he's like, Aiden, I'll race you. I'm like, Nick, I don't think you know what you're asking. He's like, what are you talking about? I run this every morning. Yeah. Aiden hasn't done anything for weeks here. I go, okay. They came back. Aiden came back, I feel like half an hour. It's like a two-minute run. I think he was back half an hour. Like mathematically, I don't know how fast he, came, he got back here. It's not possible. Nick comes back. He goes, I knew I was screwed up at the first hill. I was starting to slow down a bit. Aiden looks like he increased his speed. I knew I was immediately Absolutely. screwed. Right? Yeah, holy smokes. But uh, anyway, Jerry, really appreciate everything you do. Thank you for Thank taking the time. I know you're busy. Thank you for this. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Hey, everyone. So hopefully you enjoyed that episode with Jerry Gatto. The website for Gatto Law is just Gatto Law G A. T-T-O-L-A-W dot C-A. You can find his contact information on there for his office. So that's gatolaw.ca. And if you are listening to this and you want some more real estate investing information for yourself, you can come out to our virtual introductory real estate investing class that we hold about once a month. And you can register for that by going to rockstarinnercircle.com. So that's rockstarinnercircle.com and looking for the big red button on the homepage there. And, the, and from there, you can register for the next class. It'll have the date there listed for there. I think actually if you, after you register, we follow up with you the next date. I can't remember exactly, but it's on there somewhere. You're going to find it. So rockstarinnercircle.com. Look for the big red button. You can register for that class. We stick around at the end of the class and do an open Q&A. So any questions that come to mind, we can tackle them there for you. And we host that about, about once a month. That's it for this episode. Until next time, your life, your terms. <laughs>